It's so nice to see you here today. So we've been on this series on the miracle of mercy, and the focus has mostly been on God's mercy toward us, how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, how much he shows us mercy. Now it's the time to change that to now that we've received his mercy, what do we do to show mercy to others? Because that's God's desire, is that what we receive from God flows from us to other people. You see it in Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. There's a promise there. You will be shown mercy, but there's a condition involved if you're being merciful to others. So I need to show mercy to others if I'm going to receive that mercy. And mercy, we have to realize, is love and action. It's love and action. You can write that in your fill-ins in your notes. Mercy is love and action, which means it's not just talk. It's not just an emotional feeling. It's not just pity. It's compassion. It's showing compassion to people. It's a verb. In your notes, compassion is to enter into someone else's pain. That's not just feeling sorry for somebody. But you want to lift them out of it. What can I do to help? Let me give you the difference between the word pity and compassion. Pity is to say, oh, that poor guy lost his job. Compassion is to say, what can we do to help him find a new job? Do you see the difference? It goes a step farther. Pity can say, oh, she's in the hospital. She's got two little ones. I bet you that family is probably really struggling right now. I bet you that her husband is really has his hands full. Oh, that's just too bad. That's pity. Compassion is, let's see what we can do. Maybe we can offer to bring them dinner every night, like rotate, and I'll bring them dinner tonight. You bring them dinner tomorrow night. But compassion is to try to figure out a way that we can do something about it to make their life better when they're going through that difficult time in their life. So God wants us to have compassion for the needs of people. It's love and action. It's willing to get your hands dirty, to get involved and do what it takes to make things better. And that's what Jesus did. We see his lifestyle like that. He steps into our problems. He steps into our brokenness. Why? He wants to lift us up. He wants to help our life to get better. And then he says, blessed are the merciful because you will be shown mercy or compassion. So as we lift up others, God is saying, I'm going to lift you up. You focus on lifting up others. I'm going to focus on lifting you up. And I want to receive God's grace. I want to receive God's mercy because I need it when I'm going through hard times. And at the same time, God says, I want you to be a river of mercy that flows out to other people with the things that you do, with the things that you say. We want to put it into action. And if we refuse to show mercy to others, that verse sounds like, don't expect to get mercy from God. So there's a condition. God's a loving God. He's a caring God. But sometimes he says, you do it. You do it. If you want to receive that, you do it. He puts conditions on us because there's something about us acting out our faith to be Jesus to the world. The word Christian means, it really means little Christ so we're all supposed to be little Jesuses all over the place. What does that mean? We, we do the things that Jesus would do. Maybe little Jesus because 
We might not have the spiritual power to do everything he did, but we are like little Jesuses all over the place. And if we're not compassionate, if we're not merciful, I can't imagine the word Jesus and unmerciful in the same sentence. Doesn't match. Jesus is merciful. He's compassionate. He's caring. Here's an example. Mark 1, 40 through 45. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. He used the word willing. Isn't that interesting? If you're willing. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to him. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. There's a lot of information in this passage I want us to look at. Leprosy is not common in today's world, but in Jesus' day, it was prevalent. And there was no prevention. There was no cure. It was a terminal disease, but it killed their soul before it ever killed their body. It's what it did to them on the inside. It killed their soul because a leper was an outcast. No one could touch him because they were afraid of getting the disease. So no one was allowed to touch him. So can you imagine you get this and now no one's ever going to be able to touch you again? You lose that human touch. Leprosy was considered an outward sign of an inward failure. Here's how the people thought. You're going through this problem because you probably did something wrong that offended God. Or maybe your parents really offended God because people had these crazy views about God. So you go through a hard time. Well, what did you do to make God so angry to allow this to happen to you? So as a leper, in a culture that's teaching this and saying this type of stuff, people tend to believe their culture. And people start thinking like, well, I wonder what I did. Or did my par- what did my parents do that is causing me to suffer like this? So you can see it's killing their soul. I think the killing of your soul on the inside is way more devastating than the physical pain you're going through. It's hurting me on the inside, the assumption that I'm a moral failure, and I don't even know why. I don't even know what I did. Lepers weren't sent to a doctor. They were sent to a priest. No one said that they were unhealthy. They called them unclean. In Leviticus 13.45, it says, The leper must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkept, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. Why would they do this? Because everybody's afraid to catch the disease. So what happens is, for the rest of your life, you're covering your face so people don't see your scars. You know, because people are afraid of you. That's what was happening. What happens is uh, you can't touch anybody. You have to keep distant. And when they start to get close, you yell, unclean, unclean. Then they go away. They go away because they're afraid. What if I catch that disease that you have? 
It was killing their soul. It was killing them in the inside. When you're constantly saying, unclean, unclean, you're constantly saying, there's something wrong with me. They were hurting. Can you imagine the humiliation, the torment? And then physically, leprosy eats away your flesh and your nervous system. You know, it disfigures you. So you're physically in torment, plus you're emotionally hurting. And if a leper got too close to people and they got afraid, it was common for people to pick up stones and throw it at them to chase them away because they're afraid. You know, do you remember how people treated AIDS victims when it first came out? They were so afraid of the disease that no one wanted to be around them because they were afraid that they'd catch it and you were kind of ostracized. It's a very similar thing to what these guys went through, but it was worse back in those days. So they would throw stones at them and keep a distance. Stay away from us. Stay away from us. So these people have to live alone. They could live with other lepers. They could hang out with other lepers, but they'd have to leave their families. Can you imagine never being able to see your parents again or your brothers or sisters again or your children? Depending on the age, when they notice the disease in your body, you have to, you know, you leave your children. Devastating emotionally. It killed their soul and it killed their body. It was a complete banishment. You're like the walking dead. It's like a living death sentence. Look at what Leviticus 13, 46 says. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. That's what these people had to go through. They weren't allowed to go to worship services. Yet, when he sees Jesus, he gets really brave because he knows that Jesus can heal him. So this guy got brave enough to go into a public place. That's what's amazing about this guy's faith. He was willing to ri risk physical punishment and harm in order to get to Jesus. And it doesn't say this in the scriptures, but just knowing the laws and stuff, I imagine he's yelling, unclean, unclean, when he's coming in. And people are like, getting out of the way. He goes straight up to Jesus. If anybody touches him, you're considered ceremonially unclean. So what happens if I accidentally touch the leper? They would think that I was unclean. So I would have to go out, to the, out from the camp for a certain length of time to make sure I was okay. And after that length of time, if, if, there's, if my body's okay, I can present myself to the priest. And he looks me over. And if he says I'm okay, I'm back. But if I have anything on my body that looks like I might have caught something, I have to stay outside of the camp. So no one wants to touch him because who wants to live outside the camp for a couple of weeks? You know, nobody wants to do that. So in Mark 1, 40, it says he goes to Jesus. He goes straight up to him. People are scattering, of course, when they see who he is. And he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Notice how he didn't say if you are able. He knew that Jesus had the ability to do miracles. This wasn't the first time Jesus did a miracle. So he knew he, who he was going to. He knew that Jesus was able to, but he asked, are you willing? Because I believe he was so hurt in his mind by the culture, he didn't know if God loved him. He didn't know if Jesus loved him. 
He didn't know if he had done something so bad that he deserved this or his parents had done something so bad that he deserved this punishment. He really was influenced by society. That's why he says, if you're willing, God, are you willing to help me? And of course, God was willing, Jesus was willing, and he reached out and touched him. There's people all around us in this world that are on the outskirts of society. People that don't have friends. Think about it. We all know people that don't have friends. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't think that we live in an area where the people have leprosy. But we live in an area where people are hurting. And God wants us to show mercy. This is a great example because it's a big example. But we're all surrounded by people that are hurting. People that need friends. People that we care about. Or maybe we don't care about them and we need to start caring. And the idea is, am I willing? Maybe the guy with leprosy is talking to me. Maybe he's talking to you. I know you're able to reach out and be a friend to me. But are you willing? Are you willing? No, I don't want to... I don't want to be their friend. It's, it looks like it's going to be some work. I know you're able, but are you willing? We, as people of God, need to live the type of life that we're Jesus to the world. We all have people around us. They're kind of on the outside. You know, they, they don't have friends. We need to reach out to them. God wants to use you and me to restore somebody else's dignity. God wants to use you and me to help someone find life again. God wants to use you and me to bring peace into people's lives, to relieve somebody's hunger, to relieve somebody's loneliness, to show love and compassion and hope and mercy to other people. Am I willing? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In Mark 1, 41, it said, Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. That was a risk. He says, he first reaches out and touches the man and says, I'm willing. He said, be clean. Why was that a risk? Because once he touches the man, now he becomes unclean because they're afraid that he might catch the disease. Because they thought it might be, a, they weren't sure how you got it. So they, if you touch the guy, you were outside. You know, they, they, any precaution they could take to make sure that nobody got it. Once he touched the guy, he became unclean. There's only two options that can happen. Jesus touches a guy, and now you have two unclean people. Or Jesus touches the guy, and you have two people that are clean. We know what happened. The guy got healed. But Jesus was doing the unthinkable in that culture. In that culture, I could see everybody, like, first of all, getting away and looking. What is Jesus going to do? And they see him reach out and touch the guy. And they're thinking, Jesus, what are you doing? We don't know how this disease is spread. Why are you risking your life? Are you crazy? That's what they, were, that's what they would be thinking. And then the guy's healed. What that tells me is being merciful involves taking risks. Being merciful involves taking risk. Sometimes you have to take a risk to help somebody. 
you know, it's not, it's, it's not being merciful isn't always an easy thing. It's a loving thing. But it's not easy. Sometimes you have to take risk. I can think of some of the places that we've gone as a church around the world to do ministry. And some of the places and some of the countries that we've gone to, the conditions were so bad that you felt like you were taking a risk of catching something just being there because the conditions were so bad in some of these countries that we've gone to. But to love people means sometimes you take a risk. That's what it involves. I wonder how long it had been since this guy had been touched. I wonder how long it's been since somebody looked in his eyes and talked to him. I wonder how long it's been since the guy's been hugged. Since somebody even talked to him at all. Jesus reached out and touched the man. He didn't say, oh, that poor guy, somebody needs to do something. No, he, he touched the guy. He said, I'm going to show this guy love. But I want to be that way. I want to be the love of Jesus to people. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. There are some believers that want to communicate the good news to others. We want to communicate it so people know. I'm telling you, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. But I found this out. If they know you care, they listen. If they know you care, they listen. So live a lifestyle where they can see that you really care, and they're going to listen to you. Jesus reached out and touched him. Are you willing to reach out and touch those around you? Kay Warren, in her book, Say Yes to God, she wrote this. Compassion is about making a decision. It's not an emotion. Expressing compassion is a deliberate choice to embrace pain that is not yours. We are most like Christ when we choose to offer the gift of our presence and choose to absorb within ourselves the suffering of the least, the last, and the lost. Are you looking for Jesus? That's where you'll find him. The reason why I respect her so much is she started going to Africa because there's a high AIDS epidemic in Africa. And pretty much her mission trips that she goes to is sitting around going to Africa ministering to the people that have HIV and AIDS. And in some of those countries in Africa, there's not a lot of education about it. So the people are really afraid of them. But she gets right in there. She hugs them. She's holding their hand. She prays for them. And she'll, you know, minister to them. And she's not a doctor. Her goal is to minister to them emotionally. And to be an example to the other people that you don't catch AIDS by holding their hands. You don't catch AIDS by... And they need to see that sometimes because they're afraid. And they see her doing that, and they find out that she does this everywhere. And it's not because of a miracle healing that she has going on in her body. That they just need to see the truth. But she wants to help heal them emotionally. But I respect a woman that, does, that says that because she's doing it. Because I'm the same way as everybody else. I don't care what she says until I see it. I'm the same way. You know, I don't care what she knows until I know that she cares. But because I see her lifestyle, now I listen to what she says. It impacts me. It didn't impact me if I didn't know that. Jesus touched the man. Then he spoke, I am willing. Be clean. 
the man could see that Jesus was willing. Years of sickness healed. Years of loneliness were loved away in a moment. This ruin of a man instantly restored. This desperate man could go home and be with his family again. He's back home. Or he can go back home. In Mark 1.44, it says, Go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. What they would do is when they present themselves to the priest and the priest says, yes, you're clean, they would offer a sacrifice to God. But it's a weird ceremony. I want you to hear how they did it. In Leviticus, it says, the priest is to slaughter the lamb in the holy place where the sin offering and the burnt offering are slaughtered. The priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the right lobe of his ear, of the one being cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Why? I don't know. I don't know. But that's what he did. But here's what's interesting. So a person with leprosy, go and they do this ceremony, and that makes them clean before God. But if you look in chapter 8 of Levit Leviticus, you find out how a priest becomes clean before God. Moses slaughtered the ram and took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of Aaron's right hand, and on the big toe of Aaron's right foot. Moses also brought Aaron's sons forward and put some of the blood on the lobes of the right ears, the thumbs of the right hands, and the big toes of the right foot. Same exact. And you notes, whether you are a priest or a leper, it's the same sacrifice. So the sacrifice that makes a priest holy before God is the same sacrifice that makes a leper holy before God. And here's what it teaches us. There's nobody so unclean that they can't be cleansed. And there's nobody so righteous that they're above being cleansed. In other words, we all need the same cleansing. It shows us to God, the priest isn't better than the leper. They were in a culture where they were treating the priest up here and they were treating the leper down here. But in God's very word, he showed to them, no. Who's equal? The priest who they would consider as the most holy is equal to the leper who they were the most afraid of. God was communicating. That's what mercy is. There's not one person better than the other. The leper isn't suffering because he did something wrong, like they were saying. He's equal to the priest. There's no difference in God's eyes between them. We all need Jesus. There's not like first-class citizens and second-class citizens. There's not the good people and the bad people. It's not like that. It's like we're together in this. We all need a Savior. God loves us equally. No one in here is a second-class citizen. We're all first-class citizens. We're all children of God. Jesus still touches broken people. But he does it through us. He does it through us. That's why we're followers of Christ. He works through us to touch those who are hurting. And if we aren't allowing God to work through us to touch the hurting, 
then Jesus isn't in this world. Because he works through us. He works through you and I. The things that we do. So we think, who are the lepers today? Street people, maybe? People that are hungry? Maybe a drunk or drug addict? Maybe someone with HIV or AIDS that maybe is being rejected? Who are the people in our culture, in our society, that are being treated like lepers, that aren't being accepted by others? We want to love them. We want to accept them. We want to reach out to them. We want to encourage them. We want to be Jesus to a world that's around us. Here's a question I have for your notes. What am I willing to do? What am I willing to do? The reason why I say this is there's about a hundred things that you could probably do. You know what I mean? There's probably about a hundred things, ways that you can show mercy to somebody, right? I don't think you necessarily need to show mercy in that hundred ways. But maybe a hundred people all need to show mercy. Like I show mercy in a certain way, you show mercy in a certain way, you show mercy in a certain way, you show mercy in a certain way. Now we have a hundred ways to show mercy. I think everybody's wired to show mercy really well. You know what I mean? Some people just see homeless people and they're wired for that. You know, some people see alcoholic and they're wired for that. Some people see someone in the hospital and they're wired for that. They just know how to show mercy, to, you know. But what I'm trying to say is everybody in this room, we all have certain ways and certain compassions that we have that we're wired. How is the best way for you to show mercy? And then do it. Then do it. You don't have to be Jimmy. You just have to be you. But as the body of Christ, if I'm showing mercy in a way that I'm really wired and effective, and so is everybody in this room, we are the body of Christ of the world. Jesus was powerful enough to do it maybe a hundred ways. Maybe we're going to have a hundred people do it one, one different way each person or a couple ways. You know, how am I wired to do compassion? And do it. And do it. What am I willing to do? In Mark 1.45, it says, He went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Remember, Jesus said, don't tell this to everybody. Just go to the priest and go through the ceremony, but don't tell everybody. And what he did is he told everybody. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. It was that miracle that pushed Jesus out of the cities. Because what happened after that, within the cities, when that finally happened, people in the cities were flocking to him so much, he couldn't breathe. It was, he, they couldn't handle it. It was too much to handle. So what he started doing is going out to the desert and other places more out. And you know what? They flocked him out there. It didn't matter. They left the city to find where he was. It was still too much. But here's what it tells you. If we were people showing mercy... You'd have to lock the doors to keep people out. Our problem would never be if we really, if all of us say, we're going to be merciful. You know, over time, our problem would never be, you know, empty seats. <laughs> it would never be. It'd be like, oh, we don't have enough seats. You know, what are we going to do? It would create problems. I think good problems. Because if the problem that we're having is people want to be around Christ, they want to know God. You know, that, th those are good problems. But as we're becoming Jesus to the world around us, 
it impacts them. What I'm saying is it makes a difference in the lives of those around us when we're being compassionate, when we're being loving toward them. So I want to be compassionate. I want to be loving to people. In your notes, it says, mercy is the key to answer prayer. Mercy is the key to answer prayer. Where do you need mercy in your life? Maybe you're saying, well, God, I need mercy in my finances. Uh, or God, I need mercy with my marriage. Or God, I need mercy with my children and you know this teenager that's rebelling. Or I need mercy with uh, a physical condition I'm going through. There's all types of ways that you might need mercy, right? Where do you need mercy? Sometimes we pray and we pray and we don't ever feel like God answers the prayer. God, like I pray about this, but I don't think things were ever getting better. Why is that? Well, I don't know why that is, but this is something for us to consider. The Israelites were fasting and praying for God's hand to be on their nation. They're fasting, they're praying, they're praying like, God, we need you, this type of thing. Fasting means they don't eat for the day, and every time they're hungry, they pray instead. So that's pretty serious prayer. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll go a day without praying. But very seldom do I go a day without eating. Right? And fasting and praying means you go a day without eating because you're praying. That's pretty remarkable, right? But I want you to see what happens to this country. Why was God not answering their prayers? And if it relates to you, then listen to this. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it does. But listen. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? He's saying, do you think it's a big deal that you don't eat and you pray? That's what he's saying. What's a big deal you don't eat and you pray? What makes that so special? Why would God say that to them? He goes on to say this. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice? He's saying, Israel, you're praying and fasting to me, but because they were unjust in the courts, he says, you're fasting and praying for blessings. He says, you can pray all you want to, but it means nothing until you clean up your court system. It's unjust. And untie the cords of the yoke to set oppressed free. Some of them were even having slaves. He's saying, you're praying for blessings and you have a slave? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? You know, you set, the free, you set them free. You're wasting your time praying and having a slave. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe him, and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? They're praying for God to bless them, and their, their mother is sick, and they're not taking care of their mom, you know, something like that. You know, take care of your mom. You can't pray for me to bless you and you don't take care of your own flesh and blood. In other words, what he's saying is, you're wasting your time praying and fasting and doing all these holy things if you're not living the life. What he's saying is, pray to me, but be merciful. Be merciful. Live the type of life that I want to bless. Why would I want to bless selfishness? Why would I want to bless self-centeredness? I want to bless this type of person. 
He says, then your light will break forth with the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. So sometimes we're going through a lot of emotional pain. You know what helps you when you're in emotional pain? Is to get out and help somebody else. Isn't that true? You get out and you help somebody else. Then he says, then I'll heal you. Sometimes like I'm, when I was going through the toughest time in my life, the best thing that ever helped me is to get out of bed, to go out and do something that's going to benefit somebody else. Because it makes me think, I know I'm going through tough times, but some people are going through harder times than I am. Some people don't have food to eat. You know, they're, they're not surviving. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger of malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fell. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairers of broken walls, restorers of streets with dwellings. So he's saying, when you're merciful to others like I am to you, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. The things that you're concerned about, I'm going to help you. But he's saying, be a Christian and pray. Don't just be a selfish person and pray. Be a Christian and pray. Well, what does that mean? You're a Christian by faith in Jesus, but by being a Christian means you're demonstrating it by being merciful to other people, showing love to those around you, to your family members, but beyond your family members as well, helping people in need. That's what it means. Don't just talk about mercy. Do something. Don't just pray. Do something. There's people in pain. There's people hurting. Try to lift them up. How is the best way for you to show mercy to somebody? And then you put it into action. Because really the church, we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around us. So he's just saying, live it out. Live out what you believe. And then watch what happens. If you're hurting on the inside, if you're hurting on the inside, find a way to help other people. If you're not hurting on the inside, find a way to help other people. But the point is, that's, that's what brings healing into our life. And then I notice I don't get absorbed by my own pain because that prevents me from helping anybody. I'm starting to help other people, and I get healed. God brings healing to that. The point behind God telling the Israelites that is because he wanted to bless them. He's not trying to punish them. He wants to bless them. He said, I want to bless you. Be my hands and feet to one another. I want to bless you. I don't want you to go through all that pain that's in your heart. With that, I'm going to lead this in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to make this your prayer. As I pray, anything that I say that relates to you, make this your prayer to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. That when we are merciful, we receive mercy. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've come 
and that you've shown us what it looks like to be merciful. To not just say things, but to do things. To get our hands dirty, to reach out and touch people. To take risks. You said that you came to seek and to save the lost. Lord, would you seek and save them through us? Lord, would you look through our eyes and show us what you see? Would you listen through our ears and tell us what you're hearing? Would you touch people through our hands, Lord? Would you speak to people through our lips? Would you love people through our lives? Lord, would you use us to bless the world with your mercy? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.